Hello, and welcome to episode 164 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Betsy S., Carl S. P., and Kimberly E. to The Modern Manager community. As a member, you get access to a variety of supports and resources to help you further develop your management capabilities. Between the Slack community, including direct access to me because I respond to every question that's posted, and the episode guides and guest bonuses that are available, The Modern Manager can be your go-to place for all things people management. Check out the benefits of membership at themodernmanager.com slash join. Today's guest is Tracy Hunt. Tracy is the owner and CEO of Total HR Solutions. With over 25 years of experience in the field of human resources, her responsibilities have spanned all facets of HR, including the transformation of entire HR functions, as well as leading the charge in reshaping the culture of organizations that she's worked with and for. Recently, she authored her first book, Silent Overcomer, which conveys her life's journey and how the power of reframing was integral in turning life's traumas into triumphs. Tracy and I talk about how managers can engage with HR as a partner rather than as a resource to call upon only when there are problems, and how this partnership can help enable your team members to show up as the best versions of themselves. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. It is such a pleasure to have you today, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining me on The Modern Manager. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So let's start by just framing out what this idea of having an HR partner really means, because I know that there are people in big organizations who have huge HR departments, and there's a lot of mixed feelings that managers might have towards HR. And then there's, you know, the other end of the spectrum, really tiny small businesses that maybe HR is like one bullet point on someone's job description. So what do you, maybe you could start by just sharing, like, what do you see as being the role of HR in general? If you were to simplify it and put it in terms of its most basic sense, the definition of HR is change agent. We live and operate in an ever-evolving environment of change. And so HR's role is to support and to help navigate change, whether that change be good change, marginal change, whatever the change is, that's where HR is supposed to partner with an organization and its employees, leaders, its entire employee population to bring about the goals and objectives of that organization. So what makes a good relationship then between managers and their HR partners, right? If they're responsible for change and and people change, which is such a huge aspect of work, how have you seen really good partnerships between managers within an organization and their HR colleagues? What's really important is to see it, number one, as a partnership. Number two, to not have HR be minimized to become personnel, where it's just about pushing papers, but recognizing that HR needs to be a strategic partner. So when I started my company, it was after spending many years in the C-suite as the vice president of HR and a chief HR officer recognizing that there's these small to mid-sized companies who don't really understand the value that HR brings. 
And so when you look at the larger successful companies, it's because they understand the value that HR brings in moving their mission. And so if HR is seen as a strategic partner, we help an organization and facilitate those things that are going to generate revenue or bring a mission to fruition. And so that's where when you see them at CHR as a partner, you're sharing information so that HR can plug in in those spaces that have to do with making sure you either have the right people, you have the right programs, you have the right training, whatever that looks like in that whole human capital space. Could you give us an example or tell us a story about one of your clients or a team that you worked with that had kind of an either an aha moment or a transformational moment where they, you know, because of the work that you've done with them, they understood the role of HR differently and or they built and invested in programs that made a big difference for their their people? Most of our clients start out with us. We go in and we a lot of times come in doing an HR diagnostic because, of course, that's the level that everybody understands HR. They understand that I have to be compliant. I've got to mitigate risk, but they don't necessarily understand the full spectrum of HR's purpose. So I've got clients who we've come in and we come in at one level helping to create an employee handbook and we come in and make sure they have a solid recruiting process. They've got the HR systems they need. And then ultimately, when they begin to work with us in a partnership, they begin to recognize the importance of, does my team have smart goals that align with business goals and objectives? Do we have talent management routines that allow me to be able to recognize my high performers that are going to help take my organization to the next level? So it transitions from an administrative compliance driven type relationship to more one of a strategic partnership. Oh, I love that because I have definitely spoken to people who talk about HR as like almost like the legal or the regulatory piece of the business of like, oh, we just have to check off all the boxes, make sure we're like following all the rules. And it's such a difference when you go beyond those things and say, yes, we have to do those things. But there's really an opportunity to think holistically about the experience that people have in your organization and how to set them up for success. Every time we do a training or develop leaders, our mantra for that training is if we grow the person, we grow the leader, then we grow the organization. You can't do one without the other in the most comprehensive way. And so I'll never forget when I was VP of HR at Coca-Cola. And it's so easy to rest on your laurels when you're doing well, you're in the black, you're profitable. And I remember saying to the CFO at the time, I've come from an accounting background. I said, great, we're making money, but what's so wrong with making more money? So if I'm offering a value proposition in the people space that can help you create higher levels of engagement, which translates into higher levels of productivity, why wouldn't we want to do that? That is so well said. I mean, just just so spot on. So I want to kind of shift down now to the the macro level, which is, I, I you know, so I'm an executive coach. And sometimes when I'm talking to my clients, they will ask me a question. And my instinct is to say, you should go talk to your HR colleagues about this one, because there are things that come up with, with managers that feel like they're, they're HR issues, where there is 
you know, red tape that you have to be really careful about, things that need to get documented officially. So can you maybe talk to us first a little bit about, you know, what are some of those kind of very granular things that managers should just be aware of that, you know, if something like this comes up, you should go go talk to your HR professional. I always say HR done right looks easy. However, a lot of people really minimize that it is a body of knowledge and there is an art to doing things the right way to mitigate risk and, and, and reduce any levels of exposure. The biz- biggest exposure you typically see in a lot of organizations are managers who are attempting to document things themselves. They really don't understand sound documentation practices. So they might think by writing this one little note to themselves or to the person, it's perfectly harmless. But without having an HR lens on it, you don't always know what you don't know. And when I do audits, a lot of times that's what comes out. It all seems like it's so commonplace or common sense, but there's an art to this stuff. And there's a lot of things that we have to consider when we make decisions and when we document things and the way we facilitate and coach leaders on what they should do and how they should do it. So imagining that the topic of feedback when somebody is really not doing well, that there might be some things around performance where you want to make sure it's documented if you're ultimately thinking this person might need to be let go. And then another topic that seems kind of obvious might be anything related to harassment or making people feel uncomfortable in the workplace, being disrespected. Are there other kind of just categories of things that are like, yep, this is a good this is a good thing to just check in with your HR colleagues and make sure you're you're documenting it properly. You just you know what you need to know. You've brought it to their attention. Just any any broad categories around around that. That's still a very transactional way of thinking about HR. When you really think about having HR as a partner, it would be, for instance, you've got a sales director who's saying, how am I going to grow my team? Does my team have the skills that they need? HR then becomes that coach and that person who is working with that leader to provide consultation around how should you grow your team? What should be the requisite skills that people need to get to the next level? What does that look like for the organization? What level of performance should we expect? What should the goals be? And so that's when you start getting into a space of being a proactive partner and not necessarily looking at when something goes wrong. But how do we help grow this organization? And how do we partner with you to move the goals that are assigned to that particular leader's hands? That is so great. So now I'm thinking when managers are doing their performance reviews and they're identifying opportunities for growth and areas for investment, that HR partners can be a a great source for training ideas, whether those are things that they already have in-house with the company or helping to develop a growth orientation plan and really partnering with the manager to figure out who are the people that I should be really investing in deeply? How do I make sure that I'm providing them the right support and access to those growth opportunities? So it doesn't have to be on the manager on their own. Correct. That's where HR would come in and be able to support any ideas around training continuums or career paths, things like that. Because we want to, again, again, be a proactive partner to help move the organization forward. And 
organizations who typically, because we had the whole period where it's, are you a great place to work? Well, there's a lot of things that go into that sentence um, when you talk about being a great place to work. Do you have a well thought out, comprehensive employee value proposition that says, why would somebody want to work for you versus work for someone else? And then working with HR, you're creating that as a company. And then leaders are then the people who are responsible for executing on all those different things that you have. So they're the front line. Sometimes they may be not necessarily the front line, but indirectly responsible for people. But creating systems, programs, processes that are strategic in nature that have accountability attached to them so that what you measure gets done. So talk to me more about some of these you know, offerings or, or programs that HR can partner with managers are. Like now I have a whole bunch of ideas in my head, things like maybe your HR team can help you write a team mission statement so your team gets really aligned on your goals. Or maybe HR can help you do a better job of your performance evaluation process so that if your organization doesn't have something full, like really robust, or maybe they do have a process, but it doesn't feel like it's tapping the right things for you, you can work with them to help refine a performance process. Are are there other things like that that are like, yeah, these are great things for HR to work on? And, And you want it to all be linked to something larger. You don't want HR to become the busy work, the department for busy work. It's really about having typically CEOs or business leaders who recognize the human capital equation that you get everything you need to have done through people. And so how do we create an inclusive environment that is one that is conducive to everyone's success and have the various things in place that are going to help us move the mission so that then each individual leader then can create something that aligns with that. You don't want a lot of one-offs because when it becomes very fragmented, you end up with a company that feels like that it has a bunch of different cultures within one company. So an organization should be working to drive a very deliberate culture so that if it's available in one department, it should be available in another department as well. So you want to create some consistency and continuity and HR being that centralized place to make sure that all things are aligned. That's where you partner and it's called goal cascading. HR can support the organization, making sure that you're cascading goals down in a way that everybody's aligned. Awesome. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the ways that managers engage with their employees, specifically around things related to bringing your whole self to work and the good and the sometimes challenges of that. So can you maybe frame out for us just what should managers expect or kind of what have you experienced when you open that door and you really say, okay, team members, like we're all going to bring our whole selves to work and, and what, and even if we don't, we don't open the door, sometimes people, you know, things seep in or people do it anyways. So can you talk a little bit about that? When you have an inclusive environment, you want people to feel comfortable. You want people to feel comfortable bringing their whole self to work. And that's a balance. I should not have to deny who I am to be able to be successful in my workplace. I also can't be a workplace where anything and everything goes because we always say where there's no structure, there's chaos. So 
when we start talking about bringing your whole self to work, we want people to make sure that they can bring their creativity. We want people to be able to be differentiated in a way that's healthy. A lot of times people come, they've got all different life experiences. And so I, for instance, always say that I became the leader that I am because I grew and I learned from all of my life experiences. Well, some people don't necessarily deal with those life experiences and then they bring that to work. Or you have a leader who may not necessarily have dealt with their issues and then they're leading from a lens that's not healthy. So it's really uh, one of the reasons I wrote the book that I wrote, which is called Silent Overcomer, Trauma Comes in All Shapes and Sizes. It's a book that's designed to have people look at the things that potentially have them not showing up as their best self and giving them the capacity to reframe those things. Because even in the workplace, things are happening all the time. The art of reframing is really important to make sure that you're constantly making sure that you're making things work to your benefit and not to your detriment. So bringing your whole self to work means I'm going to do what it takes to make sure that I'm bringing my best self to work, not just my whole self to work, because my whole self may still have some things that need to be worked on that don't really belong in the workplace. I love this distinction you're making between bringing your whole self and bringing your best self. And I would love for you to just say more about the the experience of processing or kind of how people can go through that processing or how managers can support their colleagues to go through that processing so that they can bring their best selves to work? For me, it was very cathartic when I wrote the book. I've had many, many calls about people who have read the book. I actually challenge people to compartmentalize things that have happened to them that may or may not be working in their favor compartmentalize it in a way where it's not overwhelming because if we attempt to look at our lives and look at everything, sometimes that could be too daunting and we wouldn't be able to get past reframing the first event. So I, when I wrote the book, I wrote it throughout stages and I gave at each chapter the opportunity for people to say, so what happened to you during this time frame in your life that is probably still with you that you don't even realize you're overcompensating for, or it's something that you've never dealt with and you need to face it so that you can then move beyond it so that it's not part of the lens that you see life through. So when we talk about the workplace being a collective, it's a collective of people from all walks of life. However, if everybody is looking at themselves as being human, and we all have something that we've gone through or had to overcome, and we make sure we deal with that those things, we don't have to bring things to work that shouldn't have to come to work that then inhibit us from being our best selves at work. Yeah, it's so interesting. I was just having a conversation with a client about a, a similar topic about sometimes why there's conflict in the workplace and that Sometimes it has absolutely nothing to do with whatever is going on at work. It's it's not even about the topic that you have conflict over. It's something else in the person's life that is putting them in a position to show up and bring that that lens or bring that energy into the conversation and how important it is to try to understand when is something kind of 
else going on for that person that is causing the situation? And when is it really about whatever the work is that's getting done? And that's where you create camaraderie and rapport with your employees. I believe that what's helped me through the years is being very transparent and creating a safe space for people to feel comfortable telling me things and not in any way betraying a confidence. However, you're not always going to be in that space. However, just because you're not the person that they may talk to, that's where an employer can have employee assistance programs. You can create avenues for people to be able to deal with things and not make them feel like they're less than if they have to deal with some things. I'm so glad that you mentioned that it doesn't have to be the manager who is that person that they talk to, right? And I have another client whose organization is very small and her boss made it available for her to take some time during work hours to do, to like join some sort of community programs where she could be with people who were facing similar struggles to her so that she could be in community with the right people because it didn't make sense for her to, to try and process those things with her boss. She needed, she needed somewhere else to do that. So I love that we can be expansive in, in our thinking and what we make available as resources to our colleagues. It's, it's all about making sure that people understand that you care about them. I operate and have always operated from a space of caring. Now, I'll give an example that I I give oftentimes. You have to be really careful with balancing things. I had a psychotherapy practice that was a client and they had people who just had one issue after the other. I said, well, there is a such thing as you're supposed to come to work fit for duty. Their deliverable was to provide therapy to the patients. Their responsibility was not to provide therapy to the employees on a day-to-day basis. So that's where we have to be very careful with saying it's not our job necessarily to to provide you with your self-care, but we should not inhibit your self-care and we can support the facilitation of your self-care. But you still have a responsibility to show up fit for duty to perform the job that you were hired for. That makes so much sense. And I want to bring this back to some of the more like tricky places of bringing your whole self, whether, assuming it's still your best self, but things like dress codes and places where there's an employee handbook that says you have to wear these certain things, you can't have these other things. I imagine that there are, are moments where this, you know, bringing your whole self and bringing your best self to work can be in conflict with some of the HR policies that an organization might have. And how how do managers manage through that? I mean, I, that seems like another place where managers could partner with HR to make sure that your your policies are the right policies. I mean, there's always going to be exceptions for accommodations and things like that that legally have to be made. But what I am very big on is having employers recognize that they still have the right to establish what type of image they want to convey for their company. So they have the right to say, we want it to be business casual. You don't have to let people wear jeans if you don't want to let people wear jeans. Now, if you're in a space of wanting people to be as comfortable as they are to be able to achieve their job and jeans is not a big deal, why not allow them to wear jeans? So you've got a lot of considerations and One of the things that we deal with legally with HR when it comes to policies 
and, and some requirements of people is, is it a bona fide occupational qualification? Does it really need to be a certain way for them to be successful at that job or does it not? You have the right to establish what type of culture you want. Do you want a more relaxed culture or more formal culture? So organizations get to make some choices. The key is being consistent and being objective in the administration and execution of those. Yeah. And that part's even got to be hard, especially when you have a large organization and a lot of different managers who are maybe making up their own rules for their own teams and not necessarily thinking holistically, as you were talking before, where we don't want everything to be a one-off. Right. And that's where you have to be careful. And that's where you have to have accountabilities. Larger organizations can't afford for managers to what we used to call go rogue, because then you're creating an organization within an organization. You've got all these silos. That's not good. So the goal is to create something that has enough flexibility in it where people feel like they can have some individuality, but at the same time, creating the structure so that you don't have chaos. Makes perfect sense. If only it could be that easy to do. So we're, we're unfortunately running out of time. So I want to ask you, because you know the show is called The Modern Manager, about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a wonderful manager. My greatest manager of all time, who he's very successful to this day, is Fran Maguri. He now owns one of the larger bottling franchises for the Coca-Cola system. We were like a dynamic duo and moving culture of a hundred year old organization. He gave me the flexibility to be creative and he trusted me. When you have an employee that you can trust, you need to allow them the opportunity to move and, and, and be in a way that they can flourish. And that's what he did for me. Oh, I love it. And where can people learn more about you, Tracy, get a copy of your book and learn more about your business? The book can be purchased on Amazon. It's called Silent Overcomer. Trauma comes in all shapes and sizes. If you want to find me, of course, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. However, you can find all three of those by just going on to tracylhunt.com, T-R-A-C-E-E-L-Hunt, H-U-N-T.com. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom today. You are quite welcome. Tracy is offering three copies of her book, Silent Overcomer, to members of the Modern Manager community. In her book, she shares her own story of turning trauma into triumphs and offers lessons and insights she's learned along the way. To be eligible to get one of these free copies, you must be a member of the Modern Manager community. If you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. So to learn more about the benefits of membership and to join, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player 
and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.